Welcome to this news and notes edition of the Mortcast on a weekend. Before I get started, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy, of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwdenver.com. Now is a good time to take advantage of uh, going to bfwdenver.com and doing a virtual wine tasting, or you can pick up a bottle. The virtual wine tastings are great. Uh, they send what they're going to be talking about to you, um, uh, which includes food and the bottles, it's small bottles of wine, and uh, you do it virtually, and it's quite popular. Um, and during these winter months, and you know, with Omicron kind of subsiding but still there, maybe it's a good time to check that out. Um, they also have uh, what I would describe as uh, some of the best wine I've ever had, which is the Red Zin. That has been finished in whiskey barrels. It's really good. Keep in mind, the alcohol content on that is higher than it would be on your normal bottled wine. So, so keep that in mind when you go order it. Uh, but they also have Cabernet, 2017 Cabernet, uh, which is my personal favorite. Or, you know, they've got the, the, the Red Blake Street Blend, the Malbecs. they got even Whites. Uh, um, they've got uh, Rieslings and just uh, basically anything you need from your favorite wine uh, bar in Denver. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwdenver.com. Uh, when you go in or you speak to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. I appreciate people uh, um, enjoying the interviews I, I did with Brendan Vogt and from DNVR and Nick Cosmiter from uh, The Athletic. Um, both uh, were great to show up and talk to me just about uh, basically anything and everything. Um, the uh, Brendan... Um, was I couldn't believe I mean you know I've known Brendan for a while and I I can't believe this was the first time that I had him on the podcast it's insane and then of course uh, I really do appreciate uh, people reaching out and talking about uh, my Les Shapiro episode please go to his Facebook page uh, and leave your thoughts um, about Les there um, he while he is still with us his family is going is reading these to him and um, yeah just the the just do that because. Uh, um, Les certainly, certainly deserves it. All right, well, the Nuggets are one and four in a row, and uh, it's been a uh, kind of a rebound. They're not, and this is the what I would describe to people about the Nuggets. The, none of these wins the Nuggets have had have been impressive. Um, they're wins. None of them are resounding. None of them are dominating, and I think this is what you should expect. Um Really, this Nuggets team is, is as I've pointed out many, many times before, this is a year of survival. Um, the, the team is kind of, I mean, it's, Jermichael Green just got back from COVID protocols. Uh, he went through conditioning. He probably was hit with it a little worse than the rest of the guys. Um so he had to do some rehabilitation and conditioning to come back. And he, his first game back after, I think, five, six games was last night. Or it could be four. I think it's four. So um, DeMarcus Cousins has been playing, and he's been giving us the DeMarcus Cousins experience. Um, 
in the second half of the podcast, I'm going to talk about Cousins. And I'm going to talk about um, a very specific thing that he brings that has nothing to do with his ability to play, which I think has very clearly diminished. Um, uh, but we're going to talk about it in the second half of the podcast. Um, but right now, I just kind of want to go over where this team stands and where the NBA is. Um, the Nuggets are still six in the West because they lost the tiebreakers to uh, Dallas, Utah, and Memphis. Uh, this is not the same team that was like winning all tiebreakers before. However, um, the Utah Jazz are really struggling. And they have come back to earth big time. They are only one game ahead of the Nuggets in the loss column. And uh, that is something to keep in mind because Rudy Gobert's injury obviously is going to affect them. Um, and whatever he is and their relation. <laughs> The most, the the team that gets the least attention that has the most drama is is the Utah Jazz. Uh, I don't know how they have managed to still win games, considering how uh, their two main guys don't get along. <laughs> so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, Dallas is tied with the Nuggets in the loss column. Uh, the Mavericks are interesting insofar as they have gone on a nice little run. But when you watch the Mavericks, you don't get, you don't, I mean, maybe it's just me projecting on here, but I don't get, I don't get a, I'm a scared of them sense. Particularly if there was a completely healthy Nuggets team playing them, um, which is a, you maybe could possibly happen this year. We don't know. Um, I, I will address that also in the second half of the podcast uh, about my feeling about who will come back and when. And it would be just me guessing, but it's just kind of me putting my stake in the ground. But this Nuggets team has won four in a row. They're uh, 20, uh, 27 and 21. And um, basically, they're about as good as they can be. And it's almost entirely, and I hate this is no disrespect to anyone on the team, but it's almost entirely due to Nikola Jokic. Um, this hasn't been Michael Malone's best coached year. This hasn't been, uh, I mean, Aaron Gordon's playing great. Uh, I'm going to exclude him from this, but this this isn't a result of anyone but Jokic having a out-of-his-mind year, and that's just the way it happens in the NBA. Um, there are times when a coach will coach a team up really well, um, and those are teams that usually, um, the ones that are the most effective are the ones that are like I don't know, Greg Popovich in 2000, shortly after Duncan retired, um, the or maybe the, the year Kawhi left where they were still first round playoffs, so I guess that would be 2018-19 when the Nuggets played them. Um, this team, there's, there's rarely does a coach coach a team up to being successful. Um, it, it is all about the talent on the team and the Nuggets through the trade deadline last year had put themselves in a great position. Obviously Jamal's knee injury and Michael Porter Jr. going through that back procedure for pain, um, obviously has thrown things for a loop. As we all know, none of this needs to be reset, but considering everything, I think what we need to look at here, folks, is that Nikola Jokic is doing something that is uh, unbelievable. 
We've never seen it in Denver. I don't think anyone has 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 really put up anything like this because when, remember when Jokic went out. Um, let's see, he was out for what four or five games in December, and the Nuggets just fell apart. They weren't even competitive in a lot of those games, and this team is is so reliant and dependent on Jokic being out there and doing what Jokic does that um, it's just like when he's not there, you don't have a, a counter style of play. Um, the Nuggets, and, and also to keep this in mind, the Nuggets at that point had no backup center, and now they do on a 10-day. Um, I will talk about that when we get to the Cousins part. But... We are now at a point where this team is about where they should be. And I, and I think people, considering their losses, and I think people need to kind of readjust their expectation of things. Um, Nikola Jokic is good enough to keep this thing, this team at a five seed without everyone there. Um, obviously, Nikola Jokic is not good enough to make this a one seed. I mean, no, I don't think anyone... Is I don't think there is in the, in the history of the NBA a, t- a guy who has been a, made a team a contender being a, a one-man band. I mean, like I said, one, one, let me clarify. Aaron Gordon has been uh, what I would call masterful this year, and those two have played really well together. Uh, that has everything to do with Jokic and not due to uh, some other people that who may, cl- who may claim credit for Aaron Gordon be here, being here. That is a Nikola Jokic-Aaron Gordon chemistry that is really good. Um, however, Aaron Gordon, as we learned in Orlando, is not a transformative player. He's a very good complementary player, and thank God the Nuggets have him right now. Um, he and Jokic are developing a good uh, chemistry. But 27 and 21, six games over a 500. The schedule is opening up now, and and I, I told people this going all through December. This is a lot like the twelve thirteen season, is where the Nuggets were hit with, and I do mean a brutal start to the year. Up until about the second week of January, um, maybe the, excuse me, the first week of January, until they got that six game home stand, the Nuggets were generally just it was just bad. Um, they had the toughest schedule in the league, and um, they have maybe one of the easiest schedules in the league from after this this road trip on. Um, and they're, 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 the second half of this road trip, you know, they've won three in a row. The second half of this road trip is going to be pretty hard. Um, so we shall see if the Nuggets are able to kind of maintain this this momentum that they are on, which is, you know, like I said, it's going to be difficult, but we'll see if they can do it. Um, that I think Nikola Jokic and what he has done this year is MVP worthy, but it's hard to ignore what uh, Joel Embiid has been doing. And you can compliment Joel Embiid without insulting Jokic, and you can do it vice versa. These two are putting on uh, mutually great seasons, and that's the position that I have staked out. Um, you can appreciate what Joel Embiid has done and understand that it's MVP worthy. As same as you can say, appreciate what Nikola Jokic has done and, and make it, you know, and say that it's MVP worthy. 
There is uh, no reason to denigrate either. They are both having a great year. And I think if your inclination is to do that, you're a small-minded person who doesn't enjoy the league. Because what we're seeing from both of these guys is absolutely 100% uh, unprecedented. Um, well, maybe not unprecedented because we're going back to, we're throwing back to the 90s, uh, maybe the early 90s when the centers were at their peak in the league. Um, you're going back that far, so 30 years. Uh, most of the people who watch basketball weren't born when the centers dominated the league. Um, so it's just, this is great to see. I'm loving it. I'm, I'm loving watching both of them go at it, uh, statistically speaking, every night. Uh, and as basketball fans, we should all enjoy it. And if Joel Embiid ends up winning the MVP this year, I am not going to be pissed off. Just, it, he is going to have uh, a great year. And it would be legit because no one can say that he has not been legit this year, all things considered. Now, one non-Nuggets related thing going forward uh, to the rest of the segment before I get to the second half is um, the Philadelphia 76ers and their Ben Simmons dilemma. Here's my, here's my thought on this. Daryl Morey, there's, there comes a point where a guy proves to you that he is not going to play. And here's something that I, I just, I, I, I don't think people fully understand. Players, if they don't want to be in a situation, they have 100% agency to not be there. This isn't the NFL where it's basically a glorified prison. This is, uh, or uh, where they treat you like, you know, used Kleenex. This is, this is the NBA where the players have the power. Um, Rightly or wrongly, um, Ben Simmons is exercising his power. Um, I think he should play. I mean, if I'm if I'm a Nuggets fan, and he was on the Nuggets. Um, uh, excuse me, I am a Nuggets fan, and if he was on the Nuggets, I would be uh, very pissed off. It's just it, it is what it is. I mean, I don't blame Philly fans for being upset. Um, however, this is part and parcel to the thing. If Daryl Morey keeps Ben Simmons past the trade trade deadline, the anger in Philadelphia should switch from Ben Simmons to Daryl Morey because at this point he's actively hurting this team's ability to win with Joel Embiid. And I think that part is is one of the undersaid things here. Daryl Morey attempted to trade uh, Ben Simmons immediately after he got there for James Harden, who ended up going to Brooklyn. He tried to do that. He made it clear that he wanted to upgrade, quote-unquote, from Ben Simmons. Simmons doesn't want to be there. It seems like it should be a, a thing where you make do. Because, the, because as they are signaling right now, and this is something that is so hysterical to me, they are signaling right now that they can make a run at James Harden this next offseason. And why don't you make moves now to make it easier for you to do that? you could probably clear some salary enough to do that. So if you are, if basically, if you're keeping Ben Simmons past the trade deadline, you are punting on this year. Well, if you're going to punt on the year anyway, you might as well make some deals to make it easier for you to sign James Harden in the offseason uh, or trade for him in the offseason. Make moves to where you can make easier move salary. 
what's happened right now is that since Ben Simmons has made it clear he is not coming back, um, I've received and I've talked to a whole bunch of people in the league, and they said they have no. He's made it very clear he's not he's not going back to Philly. If you're to the point where this you are at a uh, a standoff right here, the best thing to do is do the best thing for your team, which is regardless of the way you view what Simmons is doing now, it is actively hurting Joel Embiid for him to not be traded, regardless of what you get in return. And the the short-sighted thinking is, I think, is what is killing them right now. And I think Maury should be derided. If Simmons is still on that roster post-deadline, uh, Maury should be 100% derided because he's, he's at that point, it's an ego thing and it's no longer about the team. So anyway, before I get started on the rest of this podcast, I'd like to talk to you about DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Four teams remain in the playoffs, and that means only four teams left uh, for you to... Uh, excuse me. I'm going to start this over, folks. Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get $280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can experience uh, conference championships with same-game parlays, which are very popular. As I've said over and over, it's a great way for you to uh, extend your money out, uh, make your money work for you, and um, it's a great way for people to like. Um, if you if you are not if you are like a person who studies up on one game, one of the best things you can do is do a same-game parlay. You're not stretching your money out over um, multiple games that you don't uh, haven't bet on. Combine multiple bets in the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS. Get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code MHS for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. DeMarcus Cousins and Michael Malone. Um, DeMarcus Cousins has come in and been okay. Not great, but okay. Good enough. But you're seeing an effect here that is something that has, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I think this has been, and since I am, apparently, since, uh, since I have uh, received in. Um, kind of uh, messages on this that I'm apparently a Malone hater. I guess I should lean into the uh, into the stereotype and say this: the reason this team did not have a uh, backup center to start the year is because multiple centers were used the previous year, and assets were expended on one in particular, and they were barely played. So it goes, it stands to reason that they would go into this year with a, uh, basically the model that the, new, the, the uh, Brooklyn Nets used in uh, last season, which was they played Jeff Green at center. 
Um, what you're seeing with Cousins is the fact that when you have a guy like Jokic, and this is why the Nuggets were okay, not great, but okay with Mason Plumlee, is that you don't necessarily need someone to replicate what Jokic can do, but you need a big man. Because a center is still a valuable asset to have on a team. You need a guy who can set screens, and you need a guy who can, at the very least, challenge people in the lane uh, and can be in position and all that stuff. I mean, you don't necessarily need um, the return of Dikembe Mutombo in order for you to have a functional backup center. This That's not the way this works in the league. The reason Jokic is a unicorn, quote-unquote, and I hate that 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 expression, but what it is what it is. The reason that he is like that is because he offers a skill set that centers don't have. You've got to be elite at something. Not every center is elite. Um, there was an old axiom back in the day that it took centers about three years to develop because nine times out of ten they are learning about their bodies, and but most importantly, they got to improve their footwork. Um my favorite center, Patrick Ewing. It took him a couple years to develop the drop step that he had. Um, and Ewing and Joel Embiid remind me of each other. Um, Ewing was a face-the-basket center. So is Joel Embiid. Nikola Jokic is a back-to-the-basket center. You know who's a face-up center? DeMarcus Cousins. Cousins... Um, he provides not necessarily the skill that he had circa 2014 when Michael Malone coached him. He provides stabilization, even though he is volatile still, he's still Boogie Cousins. He provides a stabilization at the position that makes everything else make sense. The Nuggets made no sense in their second unit. That's one of their big issues. And last night, um, Malone benched Faku Campasso, who I don't think, he, who works better with a rim-running big like JaVale McGee, and less so with a, with a multi-skilled uh, screen-setter like uh, Boogie Cousins. So... Cousins is just by default is just making things make sense because he is competent and he's a big man. And this is proof even more that if you have a, a, a dynamic, skilled big like Jokic, you need a guy who's at least going to occupy space behind him. And the Nuggets didn't have that. Uh, people believe that, you know, you can't play centers in the playoffs. Well, obviously, Nikola Jokic has cut against that um, because he is not your typical um, rim running big, um, you know, the, the Golden State Warriors, excuse me, not the Golden State Warriors, the, the Houston Rockets um, did that to the uh, Utah Jazz and uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the Clippers did that to the Jazz too last year where they just spread them out and neutralized Rudy Gobert as much as possible. Um, people don't understand Including Donovan Mitchell, don't know how, don't understand how much uh, that Jazz team is built around Rudy Gobert, but that's a subject for another day. But the reason this team went into this year without a center is largely because there was um, 
uh, not a, 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 a desire to use backup center as, as prescribed. And now the Nuggets have a backup center on a cheap contract who is stabilizing things, but it's not necessarily due to skill or contribution, but more the fact that it's what the, 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 just the, everything makes sense around him now, or at least more sense than it did. And I think that helps. This Nuggets team is still not great. They're barely winning games. None of these games are pretty. They should have blown out the, the, uh, the Pelicans last night because they weren't, didn't have Brandon Ingram. But this, they just, this is the way this team is right now until they get uh, Jamal and Mike back. Now, Jamal and Mike, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not going to make a prediction, even though I said I was. I would not be surprised if maybe we are, we are surprised at how quickly Michael Porter Jr. gets back um, based on how he feels. I would not be surprised if that happens. I just, it's just the way he's feeling is a, is a great sign, is a great sign. As for Jamal, knee injuries suck. Knee injuries affect every other part of your body, kind of like your back, but knee injuries often result in other things happening. Overcompensation, you work on one knee too long, to, it uh, becomes bigger, it's hard to work on both knees, your, the muscles uh, grow differently. Um, when you, after your surgery, it's just, it's, there's a lot of variables with knee injuries, uh, even after all these years. Um, Jamal, I'm not, not entirely sure how quickly he's going to get back. Um, a lot of people are predicting March, maybe. I don't know. Um, just as a person who is a natural skeptic, I have seen way too many knee injuries and, I just think these things take longer than if you're not in football where you play till you're hurt again. Um, this is a little different and I'm just I'm part of that. Now, this is not based on any information. It's just based on Jeff's thing. I think I, I don't know how quickly Jamal's going to get back. Um, and we need to ask ourselves, what is the advantage of having both Jamal and Michael Porter Jr. back? Do you think having them for a month or maybe less to end the season is going to push you over the cliff in the playoffs? I don't know. The Nuggets need to make a deter determination of what they are, uh, their goals are, and if the guys coming back will lift them over the top. Um, two guys who haven't played effectively for a whole season. So, it's just something to put in your cap there. I don't know. But Mike is encouraging. Everything coming out about Mike's uh, rehab and all this stuff has been extremely encouraging. And for that matter, matter Jamal, who's going through COVID right now. It's just, I'm not, I just, I am skeptical on knees. Um, the back thing for Mike is, it's pain. Oh, this entire thing is pain related and it's not structure related. People need to get that out of their heads. It's pain-related, not structure-related. So that should should maybe alter your your view 
about the way you look at Mike's surgeries or in, uh, the procedures he's gone through on his back. So anyway, well, thank you all for joining me on the latest uh, Morkcast. I'll be back uh, next week with another episode. I'm, going, I'm trying to do more interviews and stuff like that. I mean, everyone seems to like those. So I may be back with a regular Morkcast or with another interview uh, early next week. So until then, see you all later. Goodbye.